And what is that? That kutiba alaykum as-siyam. As-siyam, fasting, has been prescribed on you. It has been made mandatory on you. So if you are believers, then what does it mean? That you have to fast. You must fast. And remember the word kutiba from kitaba to write something. But from that, it is also used for making something obligatory, for making something mandatory. So kutiba alaykum Kum, all of you What does this mean? That all believers are obligated to fast Whether it is men or women Whether it is people who are sick or people who are healthy Whether it is people who are studying, working or they are at home Whether it is people who are having their exams or people who are completely free. Every single believer has to fast. Kutiba alaykum as-siyam. Fasting has been made mandatory on you. What is as-siyam? As-siyam is from the root letters sad waw meem. And as-siyam, sawm, literally means imsak. What does that mean? To refrain from something. To stop from doing something. To refrain from something. And for example, in the Qur'an it is mentioned that Maryam salam, when she had her son Isa salam, and when she went back to the people, then she was told to say to the people that, إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَانِ صَوْمًا فَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْسِيَّا That this day... I am fasting, I have made a vow to do sawm, and as a result of the sawm, I will not speak to any person. Meaning that sawm made her refrain from talking. That sawm was that she was not going to talk. So the literal meaning of the word sawm, siyam is what? Imsak, to refrain from something. So she was refraining from talking. In the Arabic language, this is also said that خَيْلٌ صِيَامٌ خَيْلٌ صِيَامٌ خَيْل is horse. So the horses are refrained. Refrained from what? From sitting down. Meaning the horses were tied up. Alright? And they were refrained from eating, from drinking. Why? Because the Arabs, they would train their horses like this so that they would become very tough. So that they would become resilient because life in the desert is very hard. So they would tie up their horses so that the horses wouldn't be able to sit down. And they wouldn't give them food, they wouldn't give them water for some time, not to kill the horses but to make them stronger. To make their bodies strong. So what is siyam? What is saum? Saum, technically saum is to refrain from eating and drinking, and fulfilling sexual desires. Why? Why? As an act of worship. In order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to show obedience to Him. 
And this refraining from fulfilling these halal desires is not forever, but rather it is from the time of Fajr until the time of sunset, between the two specified times. So this is what Saum is. So kutiba alaykum usriyam, fasting is something that has been made mandatory on you, meaning as believers you have to fast. Now, if the command is given like this, you have to fast, you feel like, oh, but it's difficult, it's hard. I don't think we can do it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, kama kutiba, just as it was prescribed, ala ladina min qablikum, on those people who were before you. Meaning, the command to fast is not something that was given only to you, O believers, but this command was given to the previous nations as well. This command was given to the previous nations as well. Meaning the people who came before you were also required to fast. You're not the only ones who have to fast, but the people before you also had to do the same. So for example, the people of Musa salam, the people of Isa salam, they had to fast. Fasting was also a part of their sharia. Now, it doesn't mean that their fasting was very similar to our fasting. It was done in the same way. But they also had to fast. The rulings may be slightly different, but the concept of fasting was there. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us this? That you have to fast just as the people before you had to fast. For two reasons. First of all, to comfort us. That don't worry, it's not impossible, it's not too hard. People before you did it, and you can do it too. And you know what? When you find out that somebody else before you has also done something, then you are encouraged to do it. You are also motivated to do it. So this is to comfort us, to motivate us. And secondly, the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us this is to show His great favor upon this ummah. His great mercy, His great favor upon this ummah. And that is that any good command, any way of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that was given to the previous ummahs has also been given to this ummah. Because this final ummah has been given the best sharia, the best law. So all of the good commands, all of the easy commands, all of the best ones that were given to the previous nations have also been given to this ummah. So kama kutiba ala ladina min qablikum. Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fasting necessary? He has made it wajib on us? And not just us, but also on the previous ummah? Why? La'allakum tattaqoon, so that you may adopt taqwa. La'allakum tattaqoon. What is tattaqoon? From taqwa, wa And taqwa is to have the fear of Allah, the consciousness of Allah, because of which a person strives to obey Him and stays away from disobeying Him. This is what taqwa is. So, fasting has been made obligatory on you. Why? So that you may have taqwa. What does it show? How important taqwa is. How necessary taqwa is. That Allah has prescribed fasting on people, on all nations of all times, that they have to fast, so that they can develop taqwa. This shows how very important taqwa is, how important it is to have the sphere of Allah. Why is it important to have taqwa? Can you tell me? Why is it important to have taqwa? Is there a difference if one person has taqwa and the other person does not have taqwa? 
One person has fear of Allah and the other does not have fear of Allah. Is there any difference? What's the difference? What's the big deal? Yes. Their actions will be different. Their words will be different. A person who has taqwa will be careful about what he's saying, what he's doing. And the person who doesn't have taqwa, he will just follow his desires. Whatever he feels like doing, he will do that. And the thing is that taqwa is a means of protecting ourselves from disobeying Allah. And that is the way to Jannah. So we see that taqwa is what leads a person to success. Without taqwa, a person is not successful. We have learned in Surah Al-Baqarah, right at the beginning, that this Qur'an is hudan, a guidance for who? للمتقين, for those who adopt taqwa. And then their characteristics are mentioned. الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ Right? And then finally, what is mentioned? That وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ muflihun. Those are the ones who are successful. So taqwa leads us to doing good deeds. And it stops us from disobeying Allah. And that is the way to success. So if a person does not have taqwa, can he be successful? Can he be successful? No, he cannot be. Now the question is, how does fasting develop taqwa? How does fasting develop taqwa? The thing is, that fasting is an action. is an act of worship. That is a very private matter between a servant and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, between a servant and his Lord. How? It's the month of Ramadan, everybody is supposed to be fasting. Isn't it quite obvious everyone is fasting? Yes. However, who knows for sure that a person is fasting or not? That person and Allah. Nobody else knows. You know, a person could say that, yes, I'm supposed to do my homework. Okay, I'm supposed to do my homework. And they tell the teacher, yeah, I did my lesson seven times. But they did it only three times. For example. Okay? Who knows about that? Allah knows, that person knows. The teacher, can they find out? No. If the student is saying, I did it seven times, the teacher has to take the word. Has to accept it as it is. Correct? When it comes to fasting, a person can say to the people, I am fasting. All right. But if he goes into his room, if he goes into the house, goes and sits in the car, and nibbles on something, nibbles on something, who knows about it? Allah knows. When a person is fasting, he's not fasting for the sake of others. Because he knows that if I'm hungry, if I'm thirsty, people can't give me anything. Correct? When he's fasting, he is actually fasting for the sake of Allah. Because he knows that if I eat, if I drink, then my staying hungry for the rest of the time is useless. Right? So, even when a person is alone, he thinks about Allah. He thinks about Allah. He wants to eat, he wants to drink, but he doesn't do so. Why? Because he knows Allah is watching me. Allah is watching me. My mom may not be watching. My husband may not be watching. But who is watching me? Allah is watching me. So then 30 days when you spend like this, that even when you're alone, you're thinking about Allah, then what's going to happen? You're going to become more and more conscious of Allah. You're going to develop this fear of Allah. That when I'm home, when I'm outside, when I'm working, wherever I am, who is watching me? Allah is watching me. So it develops our 
consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It makes us more fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So la'allakum tattaqoon So that you may adopt taqwa This is the reason why Allah has obligated fasting on us What does this ayah show to us? First of all it shows It teaches us about the obligation of fasting That fasting is something that is mandatory Secondly It teaches us about the importance of fasting That Allah has not just left it to us If you fast you may do so And if you don't want to fast It's okay, it's up to you No, He has not left a choice with us Rather He has made it mandatory What does that show? That this is something very important Then the ayah also shows to us That whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Gives us a command to do something Or not do something There is some wisdom behind it There is some benefit. For example over here, fasting, a whole month of fasting. Why? So that we may develop taqwa. Likewise, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to charity, when it comes to hajj, when it comes to remembering Allah, is there any wisdom behind it? Is there any reason behind it? Of course there is. Every command that Allah has legislated, every instruction that He has given to us, there is wisdom behind it. There is benefit in it for us. Then the sayah also shows to us about the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that He has made the acts of worship so different for us. Meaning some acts of worship, they require that we do something with our wealth, with our money. So for example, we spend our money. We give zakat. Okay? Other acts of worship are such that they require only our body to be involved in it. So for example, a person is praying salah. Your body is involved in it. Right? Other acts of worship are such which require both our body and our wealth. Can you think of something? Hajj. Good. It requires our physical effort and it also requires our financial contribution. And other acts of worship are such in which we are supposed to refrain, stay away from something. So stay away from what? For example, eating. Okay? Stay away from what? For example, drinking. In salah, stay away from talking to others. Stay away from thinking about anything that you want to think of. Right? So there's different, different types of ibadah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated. Why? Because each one, each one is a means of testing a person that how honest is he, how devoted is he, how dedicated he is, how sincere he is to his Lord. Because it's possible that physically a person doesn't mind praying salah. It's okay, it's not that difficult on him. He doesn't mind doing something. But when it comes to stopping himself from something, he finds that hard. So Allah is also obligated fasting. Train yourself to resist from what you must stay away from. Likewise, a person may have no problem with spending money. He loves to spend. So sadaqah, no problem whatsoever. right? But Allah has also obligated on us certain commands in which we are to refrain. So for example, fasting. Again, you have to refrain from something. So different acts of worship Allah has obligated on us. Why? So that we are tested. That are we just doing what we feel like doing? Or are we doing what Allah wants us to do? So, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامِ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ 
And you know with regards to the importance of fasting, that Allah has obligated it on us. Why? Because this is an act of worship that is very unique and very beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very beloved to Allah. In a hadith we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the son of Adam, whenever he does something good, Allah multiplies the reward for that. To how much? Ten times? To seven hundred times? To more? And then Allah says that except for fasting, meaning the reward of fasting is not just multiplied ten times or seven hundred times. No. The reward for fasting is multiplied many, many more times. Why? Because Allah says, فَإِنَّهُ لِي وَأَنَا أَجْزِيبِهِ Because when a servant fasts, then he fasts only for me, and I will reward him for that. When you're doing any other good deed, for example, you are giving charity, do you get thanks from people? Do you get their appreciation? Yes, you do. Even if you try to do it in private, sometimes people find out and they will thank you for that. They will appreciate you for that. But when it comes to fasting, who will praise you? Who will thank you? Okay, if, even if your mom says, Oh, good job, you've been fasting for so long. So what? I mean, what does her praise do to us? Really, what benefit can that bring to us? Can it make up for the hunger and the thirst that we suffered? No. Even if she gives us the best iftar, but still, it is not equal to what we have done. So, when a person fasts, he fasts only for who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why Allah says that I will reward him for that. وَأَنَا أَجْزِيبِهِ I will reward him for that. So, how important fasting is? How beloved it is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In another hadith we learn that fasting is like a shield. Fasting is like a shield. It protects you. Another hadith tells us that the Prophet ﷺ told one of the companions that you should fast because فَإِنَّهُ لَا مِثْلَ لَهُ Because there is nothing like fasting. Fast because there is nothing like fasting. This is the reason why Allah has made it mandatory on us. And if you think about it, if Allah left it to us, fast if you want to and don't fast if you don't want to, would we fast? Would we? Would we? Perhaps not. Only a few of us would fast. This is why Allah has made it mandatory on us that you have to fast so that you're not deprived of the great reward. Kutiba alaykum usliyam. But how much do we have to fast? For how long? For how many days? Every single day of the year? For several weeks? For several months in a row? No. Allah tells us, أَيَّامًا مَعْدُودَاتٍ أَيَّامٍ is the plural of يَوْمٍ يَا وَوْمِيمٍ أَيَّامًا مَعْدُودَاتٍ مَعْدُودَاتٍ is the plural of مَعْدُودَةٍ عَيْنْ دَالْ دَالْ عَدَدٍ What is عَدَد? Number. مَعْدُودَةٍ That which is numbered, that which is counted. مَعْدُودَاتٍ Plural of that, those that are counted. So أَيَّامًا مَعْدُودَاتٍ Days that are Counted. What does it mean by that? Meaning a few days. Not too many, just a few days. A few days that can be counted. Because when you can count something, then it is limited. If something is in a very large quantity, do you bother counting it? Do you bother counting it? No. 
فار ایگزامپل اف یو ہیو اے بگ باکس آف لیٹ سے اسٹراز آر یو گن اسٹارٹ کاؤنٹنگ دم ناٹ ان لیس یو بینگ پیڈ فار دیٹ ادر وائز یو نوٹ گن بادر کاؤنٹنگ اٹ رائٹ بٹ اف یو ہیو اے فیو ان اے کپ ول یو کاؤنٹ دم یو مائنڈ سو وین سم تھنگ از لمیٹڈ ان نمبر اونلی دین یو کاؤنٹڈ So ayama ma'dudat what does it mean only a few days you have to fast but what if a person is not able to even for a few days because of some reason is he allowed not to fast Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us who is exempt from fasting in those days who is it that is exempt faman kana minkum so whoever فَمَنْ So whoever كَانَ He was مِنْكُمْ From you Meaning if there is anyone among you Who is مَرِيضًا Sick أو Or عَلَى سَفَرٍ On a journey Two types of people are mentioned First of all مَرِيض And secondly أو عَلَى سَفَر Meaning that person is traveling Who is مَرِيض مَرِيض is someone who is suffering from مَرَض ميم را ضاد And مَرَض is illness Sickness So whoever was sick أو على سفر سفر سين فارا What does that mean? To travel, to journey Are there different types of sickness? Different levels of sickness? Huh? Are there? Yes One person could be sick in the sense that he has a cold Okay Or sick in the sense that his body is hurting So you know they go to the doctor and they get a note That I can't come to the school for my exam Just because their head is hurting. Okay? Or just because they have a cold. They could easily go and write the test. But they didn't really prepare for it. So they're looking for, you know, one way or the other in which they were sick. They go to the doctor with a really sad face and, you know, walking very heavily. And the doctor is like, oh my God, you okay? And they write the sick note for him. And they go and give it to the university. And they're like, okay, I don't have to write the test. Are they actually sick? Are they really sick? Not necessarily. Another person could be chronically ill. They're hospitalized or they're at home. They're on strong medication every single day. So there are different types of sickness. There are different levels of illness. Every sick person is not the same. You understand? Every sick person is not the same. So, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا Whoever is sick among you, And over here, this is general. Whoever is sick, whatever kind of sickness it is. And inshallah, we'll talk about when is it okay for a person to leave fasting, depending on his sickness. Inshallah, we'll discuss that. So whoever was sick among you, أو على سفرين, or he is traveling. Again, are there different types of journeys? Travels? Yes. One person could be traveling. In his car, he's driving himself. It's extremely hot. Okay? And he has to travel in the day. 12 o'clock in the afternoon. He's out and about on the road. And he's driving all by himself. The journey is very long. Is it going to be hard? Is that a difficult journey? Yes. Let's say his air conditioning is not working in the car. Is it going to be a very difficult journey? A very difficult trip? Yes. Another trip could be that you are going from one city to another on a plane. On a plane. Is that the same? It's not the same. All you have to do is just go, you know, to the airport, check in your luggage, you know, walk through air-conditioned 
hallways and you go into the plane and even that is air conditioned and you sit down and you can recline and you can sleep and by the time you get there to your destination you know you open up your fast and that's it so is it the same kind of trip no another kind of trip could be that a person is traveling but the flight is 18 hours long 18 hours long and Okay, even if they say it's not that hard to fast, but you know that when you take long flights from one continent to the other, then it's not just the time, it's actually the time of the day or night that also matters. You know, sometimes you're traveling from one place to the other, and all you see outside is sunlight. And for the whole trip, 18-hour trip, all you prayed was Zuhr and Asr. That's it. So imagine if you're fasting. How long will your fast be? More than 18 hours. More than 18 hours. So is that difficult? Is that difficult? Yes, it is. So again, all types of trips are not the same. Okay? Trips are different. Just like sickness, illness is different. Likewise, trips are also different. So فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ But let's say a person is ill, he's not able to fast. A person is traveling, he's not able to fast. Then what should he do? He still has to fast? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he may not fast. And what should he do then? فَعِدَّةٌ Then عِدَّةٌ Number. عِدَّةٌ عِنْدَلْدَالٌ Meaning same number. Min from ayamin Days that are أُخَر That are other. أُخَر is the plural of أُخْرَى Hamza ra. Meaning, then he should fast the same number of days that he has missed. When? Afterwards, some other time. So let's say he was traveling, and because of the trip, he would end up missing two days of fasting. Two days of fasting, let's say. So he doesn't fast at that time, but later on, what does he do? He makes up those fasts. How many will he make up? How many will he make up? Two, because he missed two. Likewise, a person was sick, he was ill. For let's say five days in the month of Ramadan, he was not able to fast. So what should he do? After Ramadan is over, his health becomes better, then he will fast the same number of days. How many? How many? Five. So فَعِدَّةٌ min ayamin ukhar. He will fast the same number of days at some other time of the year. Now, when it comes to sickness, when it comes to travel, when is a person allowed to not fast? Like I mentioned earlier, there are levels of illness. The first level is that a person is sick, but if he fasts, it's not going to harm him. Okay, It's not going to harm him, it's not going to affect him that much. By the way, Sickness doesn't just mean that a person is extremely ill with a fever, you know, with a cold, or he's on medication. It could be a physical reason, the physical condition of a person which prevents him from fasting. So it could be also that a person, let's say a woman is expecting, okay, or that a woman is nursing. And because of that, she feels that if she fasts, she's not going to be able to survive the whole day. She's going to keep throwing up the whole day. Or it's going to affect her milk supply. Right, so this is also included in that. So you were talking about all types of sick people, all types of ill people, including 
pregnant women as well as breastfeeding women. So the first situation is when fasting does not affect a person. They are sick, but fasting does not really affect them. So for example, a woman is expecting, but and you know she can fast. It's not a big deal for her. Let's say Ramadan is in winter. The fast is barely 10 hours. She's like, okay, I'll sleep for 5 hours, and the rest 5 hours I will pray my salah, whatever. And inshallah, the fast will be over. So I can manage that. So what should she do? What should she do? She should fast. Likewise, a person has a cold. They don't have fever, they just have a cold. Then what should they do? They should fast again. Alright? So that sickness does not make fasting very difficult for a person. Okay? Then they should fast. Nor does it delay or prolong the recovery, the recovery period. So again, they should fast. The second situation is that if a person fasts, it will be difficult. It will be very, very difficult. Meaning they can get through the day, but it will be difficult. How? Like for example, a person is sick, alright, and they have to take some medication. Let's say the doctor said, you have to take this medication four times a day. Alright? Now, if they don't take the medication, what's going to happen? They're going to have a headache the whole day. They're going to be feeling sick the whole day. Their body's going to be aching the whole day. They can lie in bed and spend the day fasting, but it is very, very hard for them. Likewise, a woman who is expecting, if she fasts and it's causing her to be extremely hungry or feeling extremely nauseous, very, very hard on her, then what should she do? In this situation, a person is allowed that he may leave fasting, that he does not fast on that day. And a person should in fact take benefit of this ruhsa, of this permission that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. That leave the fast and make them up afterwards. Thirdly, a third situation could be that if a person fasts, they actually get harmed. How is it different from the second one? The second one is that it's very difficult on them. They can survive, but it's very hard. The third situation is that if they fast, they will actually suffer. They will actually suffer. So for example, can you think of something? Yes? So for example, a person is diabetic. If they fast, it's going to affect their health. What else? Any other example? Let's say a woman is expecting. If she fasts, it might affect the fetus. It might affect the growth of her baby. It might affect her health. Right? So if it harms a person to fast, then they are not allowed to fast. Then they don't have a choice. Okay, I may fast. No, they don't have a choice. Shara'an, legally, Islamically, they're not allowed to fast. You know why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ And do not kill yourselves. Do not kill yourselves. Meaning, don't do something to yourselves that will lead to your death. So in this situation, a person is not allowed to fast. So, if they're not fasting, should they feel guilty? Should they feel guilty? No, they should not feel guilty about it. So I gave you these three scenarios, these three levels of sickness. In the first one, a person should fast. 
In the second one, a person has the choice. And in the third one, a person must not fast at all. So, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ Or on a journey. Now again, when it comes to travel, when is a person allowed to leave fasting? The first type of travel, the first type of trip could be that if a person travels, it's not hard for him to fast in that trip. It's not difficult for him. It's the same as the difficulty of fasting at home. It doesn't make a difference. So he takes a one-hour flight. He takes a three-hour flight. Okay? So in this case, what should a person do? What should a person do? He should fast. But let's say he says, no, I don't want to. It will be inconvenient for me. Yes, the trip is very easy, but I have to wake up very early in the morning and I can't sleep after that. I have to take my flight. And when I get there, I have a meeting, I have some work, I have some business. I will not be able to fast. It's not difficult on him, but he says that it will be inconvenient for me. So does he have the choice to not fast? Yes, he does. Remember that when it comes to travel... Even if the journey is very easy, a person still has the choice to not fast. Because in the hadith we learn, Abu Darda, anhu, he said that we once went with Allah's Messenger وسلم, during the month of Ramadan, and the heat was quite intense, meaning they were traveling, and it was very hot. And it was so hot that some people, they would put their hands on their head because of the heat. Okay? Like the heat was very intense. And he said that only the Messenger of Allah was fasting. Only the Prophet ﷺ, another companion, Abdullah ibn Rawaha, they were fasting. So what does it mean? Some people were fasting and others were not fasting. They were all traveling. And it wasn't that difficult to fast because if it was hot outside, it would be hot at home. Because at that time there were no, you can say, air-conditioned places. There were no cars. So it didn't make a difference. Another hadith tells us, Anas ibn Malik, he said, that we used to travel with the Prophet ﷺ, and neither did the fasting persons criticize those who were not fasting, nor did those who were not fasting criticize the fasting ones. So some people would fast, others would not fast, and neither of them would criticize one another. So basically, a person has... The choice. He may fast, he may not fast. When? When the trip is easy. When fasting in that trip is possible. The second situation is that the travel, the trip makes it difficult for a person to fast, but not too difficult. Okay, It makes it difficult for him, but not too difficult. Alright? So for example, a person is driving... Alright, but the air conditioning is working and the trip is not that long. Okay, he is driving. It is going to be intense, but it's not that difficult. It is difficult, but not that difficult. So, in this case, what should a person do? It's better that he does not fast. Okay? In this case, what should a person do? It's better that he does not fast. Because the trip is making it harder for him to fast. If that person would be at home, he would not need a cup of coffee. 
Okay? But if he's sitting in the car, driving, staring at the road, then he needs a coffee. You understand? So it's not that he's going to die if he doesn't have that coffee. But it will make it difficult for him. So because of that difficulty, what should he do? What should he do? He should not fast. Alright? And this we learn from a hadith that Jabir anhu he said that Allah's Messenger وسلم, he saw a man who was being shaded by some other people while traveling. Okay? So that person was traveling and other people were shading him. Okay? And the Prophet ﷺ asked about him and that what's the big deal? That why are the other people shading him? So he was told that that man was fasting and other people were not fasting. So because it was very hot and perhaps he had fainted or whatever, so other people were trying to cover him, trying to cool him. They couldn't give him any water to drink, so they were just covering him. So the Prophet ﷺ said, it is not part of righteousness to fast while traveling. Meaning, Fasting while traveling does not bring you more reward. You understand? Meaning there is no need of imposing difficulty on yourself. There is no need of imposing difficulty on yourself. The third situation could be that the travel brings great difficulty and hardship on a person. Meaning if he fasts, that's it. He's not able to do anything. He can barely go through that trip. He might faint. He might become very irritable that he's picking up fights with everybody and that's defeating the purpose of fasting. Because remember that hadith, that if a person does not give up lying, false speech, and acting by it, then Allah does not need that he should stay hungry and thirsty. So, it's really harming that person. It's very difficult on him. The level of difficulty is even more. So in this situation, a person is not allowed to fast. Okay? In a hadith we learned, Ibn Abbas عنه, he said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, once he set out from Medina to Makkah, meaning he was traveling from Medina to Makkah, and he was fasting. The Prophet وسلم, was fasting on that trip, and other people were also with him. But when he reached Usfan, a particular place, he asked for water, and he raised his hand so that everybody could see that bowl of water in his hand, and he drank it to make it clear to everybody that he had broken his fast. Why? Because that fast was becoming very difficult upon him. So everybody, they followed the Prophet ﷺ and they also broke their fast. But there were some people who did not. They said, no, no, we're going to bear that difficulty. We're going to do something so great. And they did not break their fast. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he found out, he said, those are disobedient. Those are disobedient. Meaning, Allah has given you the option. When you're traveling, you have the choice to not fast. And the Prophet ﷺ is telling you to break your fast. And these people say that, no, we're not going to. So he said, those are disobedient. So we see that there are levels of traveling. One trip is very easy. A person has a choice. He may fast, he may not fast. It's up to him. Another is slightly difficult. Then it's recommended, it's best that a person does not fast. And another trip is very difficult. You're taking a trip that's 18 hours long. Then what's the best thing to do over there? That you don't fast. Don't impose hardship on yourself. But we learned that if a person misses any fast due to sickness or due to travel, then what does he have to do? What does he have to do? Make up the fasts. When? Afterwards. The exact same number that he missed, he will make that up afterwards. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَعَلَى الَّذِينَ يُطِيقُونَهُ 
and upon those people who yutiqunahu they are able to do it they are capable of it meaning they are capable of fasting yutiquna is from the root letters ta wa qaf and ataqa yutiqu is to be able to do something to have the ability to do something so they have the strength to fast when in the month of ramadan this is not talking about people who are sick or people who are traveling that despite their sickness or despite their trip they are able to fast no this is generally whoever is able to fast wa ala alladhina yutiqunahu however they don't want to fast how many people are like that they are capable of fasting but they say i don't want to raise your hand nobody will say that right now obviously who's going to say that so they are capable of fasting but they don't want to for whatever reason they say you know what i'm getting married after ramadan i have so much shopping to do it's going to be very difficult another person says i have exams coming up it's going to be very difficult okay fidyatun so what should this person do they should give fidya they don't want to fast okay don't fast but they have to give fidya what is fidya fidya is from fa dal ya and fidya is ransom that a person gives in order to free himself so fasting is an obligation but if a person does not fast then he has to give something else to fulfill that obligation so he will have to give the fidya and what is the fidya ta'am miskin feeding a needy person ta'am what is ta'am food and miskin seen kafnun a person who is needy a person who is poor a person all of his needs are not fulfilled so what should a person do if he does not want to fast if he finds it inconvenient that he should just feed needy people what does it mean by this that let's say he says okay i'm not going to fast for 5 days in the month of ramadan i'm not sick i'm not traveling but i'm just not going to fast for whatever reason i have exams so what should that person do they should give fidya And what is the fidya? Feed needy people. So they missed five fasts. How many needy people did they have to feed? Five needy people. If they missed fifteen fasts, then how many needy people did they have to feed? Fifteen. If they missed the whole month, then how many people? Thirty or twenty-nine, depending on how long the month was. Now, what is this ayah talking about? We've never heard of this. That people who are able to fast but still they don't fast just because they're getting married. and they should give fidya and that's about it this part of the ayah is abrogated remember naskh we learn that salama bin al aqwa a companion of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said that when this ayah was revealed when this ayah was revealed those people who did not wish to fast they used to pay the fidya those people who did not wish to fast what would they do they would just give the fidya until the following the next ayah was revealed in which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that faman shahida minkum ash-shahra falyasumhu that whoever witnesses the month of ramadan then he must fast in the month of ramadan so initially the muslims had a choice fast if you want to and don't fast if you don't want to But if you don't fast then you have to give the fidya. 
if you choose not to fast, then you have to give the fidya. Now a person may say, but why? Why was this choice given to them? And how come this choice has not been given to us? The thing is, that initially fasting was also very difficult on the people. You might say, well, it's difficult for me too. More difficult for me. Fasts over here, 18 hours long, 17 hours long. It's more difficult for us. No, it was difficult for them in another way. And what was that? Inshallah, we will learn about them in the following verses as well. But just to give you a heads up, that if a person slept after Maghrib, okay, snoozed for even a few minutes, then he was not allowed to eat, he was not allowed to drink, nothing at all until the next sunset. You understand? If a person slept after Maghrib, any time, whether it was before Isha or after Isha, then their next fast would begin. You know how we have the choice from between Maghrib until the next Fajr, right? We can eat, we can drink, even if we take two naps, even if we don't nap, whatever. We can eat, drink, it's up to us. But initially people were not allowed to do that. So the rulings were slightly different. Okay, So imagine if a person was working out in the fields the whole day and he comes back home and it happened with a companion that, and he asks for food and the food is being prepared and he falls asleep. Now imagine if he wakes up after that and even if it's not Salat al-Isha, he was not allowed to eat. His next fast began. So it was very difficult on the people. Alright? So this is one of the reasons why people had been given the choice to either fast or to not fast. But if they chose not to fast, then they had to give the fidya. And for one fast was how much fidya? Feeding one needy person. There are other opinions concerning this part of the ayah as well. However, of all the opinions, this one is the strongest. This one is the strongest. Why? Because all of the ayat and the hadith of Salama ibn Akwa, they support this view. فَمَنْ تَطَوَّعَ خَيْرًا فَمَنْ تَطَوَّعَ طَوَّعَ طَوَّعَ is obedience. And تَطَوَّعَ is voluntary act of worship. When a person voluntarily does something good, he's not obligated to, but he does it out of his own wish. He does extra out of his own wish. So for example, what's the fidya? The fidya is feeding one needy person for one missed fast. Alright? What's the fidya? Feeding one needy person for one missed fast. But a person says, I can feed two needy people for one missed fast. You understand? So he, khayran. He voluntarily does good. Meaning, he does good. He does extra good. He does ihsan. فَهُوَ خَيْرُ Then that is better for him. Meaning, if a person increases in giving fidya, then what is that? It's better for him. He's giving more charity. The reward of fasting that he missed out on, he's making up for that through some other way. فَهُوَ خَيْرُ فَمَنْ تَطَوَّعَ خَيْرًا فَهُوَ خَيْرُ And also, Another way that we can understand this is that people had the choice to either fast or to not fast. So Allah says that whoever does good, meaning if you fast, then what is that? It is much better for you. And more clearly than Allah says, وَأَنْتَصُومُ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ And if you fast, that is much better for you. Tasumu from the same root, صَادْ وَمِيمٌ 
that you fast, it is much better for you. It is much better for you. Now we see that people had the choice before to fast or not fast. But what does Allah say? What's better? What's better? That you fast. That you fast. Why? How is it better? Because we learned earlier that a psalm fasting is such a good deed that has no equivalent. فَإِنَّهُ لَا مِثْلَ لَهُ There is nothing like it. So if a person leaves fasting, then is he missing out on some great reward? Yes, he is. So وَأَنْتَصُومُ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ If you know, meaning if you know the benefit of fasting, the reward of fasting, then what should you do? Then you should fast. Then you must fast. It's much better for you. I remember once I was in school and it was the month of Ramadan and all of these people, they were sitting together and they were saying, I find it very difficult to fast these days because you know we have our exams so I'm not fasting. Okay, just because of their exams they were not fasting. How long is the exam? One hour. How much do you have to study? Even if you have to stay up the whole night. Come on, you stay up the whole night for different reasons, right? Why is it all of a sudden so hard if you have to study? You can spend the whole night chatting. You can spend the whole night on Facebook. You can spend the whole night talking to your friends on a sleepover or whatever. But when it comes to studying, all of a sudden we cannot fast. So they were saying that, yeah, I know it's a lot of reward to fast, but it's okay. I find it too difficult, so I'm not going to fast. Do we have that choice? I'm asking you a question. Do we have that choice? No, we don't have a choice. The only exceptions are when? When a person is either sick or he is traveling. Otherwise, no exceptions. Alright? And secondly, if a person does not fast, he chooses not to fast, he knows that he should fast, but he chooses not to fast, then is he missing out on reward? Is he? Of course. And one more thing I would like to say over here, since we're all women sitting over here, that sometimes we feel that you know if we are expecting or if we are nursing, then it's not possible for us to fast. And without even trying to fast while expecting or while nursing, we say we're not going to fast. But we should try at least. I know of so many sisters who were fasting last year while they were expecting. Last year, and I'm saying last year, not this year, because last year the fasts were much longer, much more hard. So it's not impossible. The scholars, they have only allowed a nursing woman or an expecting woman to leave fasting when it is a very serious situation. Meaning if she fasts, she will be very sick or it will affect her child it will affect her health. In that case, the woman may not fast. But otherwise, she should fast. Because if we don't fast, if we keep leaving you know, one fast after the other, then we have to make up a whole lot of fasts later on. Okay? And it happens sometimes that a woman is expecting she does not fast the whole month of Ramadan, 30 days gone there. Then she's nursing. The next year again she's not fasting because she's nursing her child. So again 30 days. 60 days of fasting. Add 30 more. Okay? So 
I'm not saying that every pregnant woman or every nursing woman has to fast. No, I'm saying if it is very difficult on you, then you don't fast. Otherwise, try at least. Just try. See how it goes. And you could also try this, fast for two days and then leave one fast. And then again fast for two days and leave one fast. Take breaks. But don't leave it all together. Because it will be very hard for you to make it up later. And and you will also be missing out on the reward. Because fasting in Ramadan is not the same as fasting at some other time of the year. Okay? So, وَأَن تَصُومُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ And remember, always remember, that Ramadan is the month of Barakah. It's the month of blessing. What does barakah mean? That you have less, but you can make more out of it. So, even though you had a little bit to eat, but inshallah, Allah will bless that, so you will have the energy for the rest of the day. You will be able to survive for the day, inshallah. So try it. Okay? Try it. Don't just think, oh, I can't fast and give it up completely. Try it at least. Because, وَأَن تَصُومُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Okay, let's listen to the recitation and then we'll continue. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ أياما معدودات فمن كان منكم مريضا أو على سفر فعدة من أيام أخر وعلى الذين يطيقونه فدية طعام مسكين فمن تطوع خيرا فهو خير له وَأَن تَصُومُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَن تَصُومُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ What are the benefits of fasting? Okay, reward. What else? Are there any physical benefits? Any health benefits to fasting? You don't gain weight. It cleans your body. From what? From toxins. Because you're fasting. So your body is using up all that you already have inside. So whatever waste there is, it's going to come out. Otherwise, it's just stored in. Because the body is focused on what? Just taking out what you're putting in. And you're putting in stuff into your body all the time. Any other benefits? It gives your digestive system a break. I have seen that one of the benefits of fasting is that it really saves your time. You know how? You wake up early, you eat, and that's it. You're done for the day. You're not going to the kitchen again to get you know, an apple, to wash the apple, get a knife, and then cut it, and then wash that plate afterwards, and wash that knife afterwards. No, that's it. Suhoor, the whole day the kitchen is free, and then at iftar time, you use the kitchen again, and that's it. Otherwise, how much time goes in preparing the lunch and eating the lunch and then washing the dishes as well. Don't forget that. Right? How much time goes into that? Into thinking, into planning. But when you're fasting, then it saves your time, saves your effort. 
you learn to discipline yourself, to control yourself. If you're used to arguing with somebody in your house, perhaps your sibling, your brother, or your mother-in-law, whoever it may be, then in the month of Ramadan, you're like, that's it, I'm not going to argue. I cannot argue. I cannot answer back. I have to control my tongue. It helps you focus. gives you a clear mind. Because otherwise, all that you're thinking about is food. Even if you stay hungry, you're concerned about food for other people. Right? But in the month of fasting, everybody is fasting. Everybody is supposed to fast. So it gives you a break. That you can actually focus on some work. So, وَأَن تَصُومُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ There are many benefits. إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ If you only knew. So don't miss out on those benefits.